Well, Michelle just came from Palm Springs. We have a special guest coming up right now, but while we wait for our special guest to walk through the door, you were in Palm Springs this weekend um, for the very first time. I was touched in, like a virgin. Yes, I yeah. was in Palm Springs, passing Champs and Eddie's uh, um, Yogurt and all them places. Down oh, those are all the... In the gay area. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. really fun. Now, you stayed at Ross's house. Stayed at Ross Matthews Place. And um, what's he like in the sack? Well, fantastic. Mm. He didn't charge me a dime. All I had to do was put out. <laughs> and did you rent a car? You brought you, you drove your car there. Catch this. Well, we, we drove our car. Yeah. But Ross... The whole a, family went. Oh, yes, my children came. Why? And Lola's boyfriend came with, too. Really? Uh-huh. Yo, you are crazy. No, let me tell you why. Well, no, I actually like being with my kids, and they entertain each other. Because hmm. Lily just drove. So David and I used Ross's car. He left us the keys. Mm-hmm. He's like, take our car, because he was going home to visit his family. And and then come in. Lily drove our car, and they did their own thing. They went to Wet and Wild, they, you know, the park. The the wa- wa- there's a water park. You're kidding. Called Wet really? and Wild. Really? Uh-huh. Here, come on in here and sit down over Hi, here. Hi, honey bunny. Yeah. Hey. Zoe Kravitz is here. Um, I, I just, we were talking about Palm Springs. Do you go there often, Palm I've Springs? I've been a few times. A few times. It was you're, my first time. You're from California. I'm from California. I was born in Venice Beach. You were born yeah. in Venice, of course, yeah. <laughs> in Venice, Venice Beach. Now, I just want to talk, I want to talk about the first time you saw the Jeffersons. Mm-hmm. When, wh- how old were you when you f- first saw the Jeffersons and thought, oh, that's my grandmother on there? You know, I was probably quite young. I think so young that I didn't even really realize right. what I was watching. Um, and I think when it really affected me was actually when I got older and mm-hmm. she had already passed mm-hmm. and I was really able to appreciate what she was doing and also what that show was about and her being in a biracial relationship mm-hmm. and how big of a deal that was. You know, I didn't really understand that when I was young, but... How when, old were you when she passed? I was eight. Eight. Aww. So you got to know her. I did. We were did you like ve- her? Very close. You know, my parents were really young when they had me and they were so there, but I think both my grandparents, really my grandmothers, they were a really big part of my life because, mm. you know, my parents were young and wanted to go do their thing and mm-hmm. needed help, you know? Yeah. And my grandma was so, so there for me. I spent a lot of time at her house growing up. Now, Lisa Benet is your mother. How old was she when she had you? 21. 21? Oh, my God. That's ridiculous. Yeah, she was a baby. That's, babies having babies. Yes, that's honey. outrageous. Do you have any kids? No. Are you, are you going to have kids? I don't know. I can't even keep my plants alive. You yeah. know, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm almost thirty, so it's it's crazy to imagine the fact that she was twenty one. Twenty one. No. Jesus. I know. Well, that's look, outrageous. she did a good job. She did. She really. I mean, she sacrificed a lot for me. She really walked away from what was going on yes. in her career to be a mother. So yes. I, now, and uh, so have you ever seen Angel Heart? Yeah. You have. How old were you when you saw Angel I Heart? I watched it not, to, I think I watched it a few years ago. For actually, the first time. For the first time. So in your 20s. It, yes, definitely in my 20s. Mm-hmm. It was this infamous thing that was always referenced that I wasn't allowed to watch. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. And whenever someone mentions my mom, they go, ooh, Angel Heart, that yeah. scene with the blood. And I was like, right. I don't want to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. I watched it a few years ago. I yeah. mean, it's, I mean, she looks amazing in it. It's a crazy film. It's a crazy film. Uh, but it's, it's, there's some poignant parts to the film that are very important to well, every human on the planet. Mickey Ward. Mickey Ward, it's, it's great. So, but um, she's got another kid. How old was she when she had the second kid? She has two other children, Lola and Wolf, my brother and sister. And she was in her, you know, in her mid-40s. She, she, she waited another 20 mm-hmm. years. Oh, my God, you're the before perfect babysitter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm auntie. I'm auntie Zozo. What, what do you think it is about young people who want to have a child at 21? What do you think... 
Were you ever tempted to say, ooh, I love this man. I want to have his baby. Mm. No. Never was. No, but, <laughs> but in my mother's defense, I was not planned. You, you know, so she really stepped up to the plate. Yeah. You were a surprise. I was a yeah. surprise. Yes. Yeah. Now, your father, Lenny Kravitz, is, is now so famous for being the go-to designer mm-hmm. in Hollywood, mm-hmm. Los Angeles. Where where do you think he got his uh, flair for design, the, the eye for it? I mean, both my parents, they really live and breathe art. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It doesn't just end with music or end with acting. Mm-hmm. They both really walk the walk and talk the talk both their houses their environments everything in their life is is artful and beautiful mm. aesthetic is i mean is a huge part of who they are so my dad from i mean since i can even remember all right. of his homes were so detailed mm-hmm. and um you know i wasn't allowed to we had a house that was all white in Miami oh, when I was my when goodness. I was yeah. um, I think I was fourteen or fifteen, and I wasn't allowed to eat in any other room <laughs> but the kitchen. And I wanted to buy a dog when I was fifteen. My dad told me he'd get me a dog, and he ordered me one of those bald dogs with white hair because he was uh-huh. like, I can't have no dog shedding all over my white house. <laughs> I mean, he takes it very seriously. <laughs> Did he grow up out here in L.A. or in New York? He grew up both. He was born, I believe, in New York, but lived in L.A. for a long time. Right, right. He went to Beverly. High. Went to Beverly. Where is Beverly High? Is that the one right there on Highland? No, Beverly High. Yeah. Oh no, that's right. It's just south. It's just south of Santa Monica Boulevard. Mm -hmm. Yes, I know that thing. And so, um, uh, do you think he got his aesthetic more from his mother or his father? Probably his mother. Roxy had exquisite taste, right? With her clothes and also her house, really, really beautifully designed. Yeah. Definitely from her. Because we're talking about Roxy Roker, who, the who late, played great, the, the late great mm-hmm. Roxy Roker, who played uh, uh, the next door neighbors on the TV show uh, The Jeffersons, which was an, it's an interesting time for television. You've done television, obviously. Big Little Lies is on HBO, and you guys are filming the second mm-hmm, season now. Are, yeah. uh, uh, did, did you grow up? Did your parents allow you to watch television? I was not allowed to watch any television growing up. My mother was really, really strict about that. Really? Yeah, we had no television but we did have a vcr mm-hmm. and i was allowed to watch a movie a weekend and she would pick the movie so i grew up watching a lot of the things that she grew up watching i was like kind what? of like the little rascals yeah. like the original um uh freaky friday with jodie foster uh-huh. mm-hmm. um Escape to Witch Mountain, like all these kind of, you know, funny older films sure. that she grew up watching. Yeah. And so um, so d- when was the first time you became aware of her on The Cosby Show? N- my aunt, my great aunt, my mother's mother's sister. Wait a minute. Okay. Your mother's My mother. grandmother's, yeah, my grandmother's sister. Sister. Grandmother's on sister. my mother's side. Oh, not Roxy oh. Roker's sister. No, my mother's mother. So uh-huh. Arlene. Yeah. Her sister had taped every episode of the Cosby show mm-hmm. on VCR. So she uh, I think when I was like 7 or 8 or something I think I was mm. sick and I was staying at her house and she said you want to watch something fun uh-huh. and she whipped out this box of cassettes and she and we watched all of them. Had you oh known about God. it? I had known about it but I hadn't watched it and, and it was great. It had all the old commercials on yeah, it and everything yeah. and it and I became obsessed. I would watch them all the time. Did you tell your mother that you saw them? I did. I think I eventually took them home with me and she would let me watch them sometimes. Was and so what good. was her reaction to that? I think she thought it was cool that I was finally seeing, you know, this thing that she was so known for and yeah. I was so into it. I think that's what made her happy. Are you talking yeah. about Cosby Show or different Cosby Show. Yeah. I was yeah. so into it. I really thought it was so funny. And, and it was? Yeah, yeah. When did you become aware that your parents were very, very famous? Um, 
my mom a little bit later because her i mean she was very famous when i was a baby you mm-hmm. know what i mean and then she kind of stepped away from the spotlight um my dad when i was about um maybe 11 or so you know he had fly away come out mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. an american woman and yeah. those were i think the first songs that were kind of like they were just everywhere mm-hmm. you know what i mean they were, every time you walk into a store every time you got into a car it was on the radio and so it really kind of became a big part of my life you know you walk down the hallway and other kids start kind of singing fly yeah, away right. to you or something like that yeah. but you must see how stupid women become in front of your father i have yes they become very very stupid like ridiculous. <laughs> and he becomes stupid too <laughs> how, does, how does he become stupid oh because oh, he's beautiful women uh-huh. you know? he loves it. Yeah. yeah of course but women will do anything they will for that man they yeah. will did it's they true. try to dissuade you from going into show business um not dissuade, but I think they wanted me to take my time and make sure that I had a childhood. Mm. I really wanted to go into acting really early when I was maybe 14, 15. And I think because my mom was a child actress mm-hmm. and she, you know, really didn't anticipate where it was going to take her mm. and became very famous kind of overnight. And I think she wanted to be just conscious that I knew what I was stepping into. Fame mm-hmm. is the kind of thing that even though it doesn't last forever, you can't just walk away from it. Once people right. know who you are, mm-hmm. you know, you've kind of lost something. So yeah. I think she wanted me to have that childhood. So she was she was adamant about me taking my time, graduating high school at least before I, you know, really ended up taking it seriously, which I'm very thankful for. What was the first job you had? I did a film called No Reservations. I had one scene with um, Catherine Zeta-Jones. I played her gothic babysitter. Mm. <laughs> yeah! And then I did a film called The Brave One with Jodie Foster. Oh, yeah, I remember and that I one. And I played a prostitute, and it was a really dark film, and um, that was my first kind of well, Jodie doesn't really do comedies anymore, so. That's true. That's true. Right. Although she's really good at that. She one. is. Yeah, she's yeah, yeah. Uh, The Brave One's no Freaky Friday. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah. No. And so, and you've been in the business for a long time now. Where where do you um where do you want what do you want to do i mean you are really established now and 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 there's a certain uh type of girl that you play like in big little lies you play an intellectual socially conscious person mm-hmm. and that's that's uh kind of what you are not so much, which is funny. You know, people always assume I do yoga. People always assume I'm vegan. Mm. I'm neither of those things. Uh-huh. I don't do, um, so I, I mean, I, I guess I do get typecast in some kind of a way. Mm. I think people assume that, you know, a girl with braids and tattoos can only kind of play one thing. And I mm-hmm. think it's really important for us to step into a time where a brown girl with tattoos and braids can be a lawyer, can be a doctor. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to kind of true. open our open our eyes a little bit to yeah. what you know. And what would be the perfect role? I mean, you've, you've, you know, you've been around, you've seen the kind of roles. I mean, could you play Angela Davis? Who would you want to play? Oh, gosh. Uh, I mean, you, do you have your eye on things? You don't have to you don't have to tell me because I don't want you to jinx it or anything. Yeah, but. I I think biopics are very, I mean, they're scary. Yes. You know what I mean? Especially if yeah. you're playing someone who you respect. Sure. Um, so I'm not sure if I would go into that world. It's that thing where you have to be born to play that role. You know, yeah. Jamie Foxx was born to play um, Ray, Charles. Ray Charles. You know who you should play? I know exactly. I got hmm. it. I'm hmm. good with this, okay, by the way. I'm see. really good with this. He is. Uh, and she's still alive, too. Um, Betty Davis, the third wife or one of the wives of Miles Davis, mm-hmm. she was this pioneering funk singer mm-hmm. uh after she was married to miles and they were only married for a hot minute mm-hmm. but she's uh 
she is, and there's actually a New York Times uh, story on her just about six months ago. She she would be perfect for you to oh, play. Oh, good. I'm going to like and you can do, do you sing and do you do music? I do, yeah. <clears throat> it's perfect for you. Okay. I'm telling you right okay. now. And I believe I, you. I, I have this thing about it. I'm very good with doing that. Okay. You know? It, and this is gonna. This is the role that's going to win you an Oscar, by the way. Oh, my. You, you heard it here yeah, first. Yeah. So you don't actively, you and your agents don't actively sort of map out your career. I mean, how does that work? We're definitely not mapping it out. I think <laughs> <laughs> there's no great plan. But I think it's about, I mean, I've been very lucky with, you know, wonderful projects coming my way. I think um, the biggest the best decisions I've made have been the things I've said no to. Uh-huh. Um, Hello, speak the truth I, let, and let the church say amen. Amen. It's real true because, you know, you'll get offered just, you know, things that you're excited just to star in a movie or something, yeah. but, you know, you don't want to be typecast. You don't want to play a redundant character. You don't want to yeah. represent brown women in the wrong way, mm-hmm. you know. If I get offered one more, like, crackhead woman, and, you know, it's like there's only one way we see brown women in yeah. this industry. Yeah. And so um, I think I just want to, I want to do something I haven't seen before mm-hmm. and I want to play a role that other brown women haven't seen before because mm-hmm. it's so important for me to represent them in a world that I don't think, you know, they've we haven't been seen the way that we should. Yeah. Um but my ultimate goal is to direct, is to write, is to produce. I think we're in a really amazing place right now in Hollywood where women are really starting to step into their power. I think the biggest thing we all have to remember is not to wait. Now that we've been so vocal about what we want, not waiting for the white men in the suits to write our stories for yeah, us and true. hand it to us. We mm-hmm. have to start writing our own stories, producing our stories, pr- directing our own stories, giving those roles to other beautiful brown women. I mean, mm-hmm. we have to just, we have to be the change. Create your I own love magic. That. Mm-hmm. I love it. Now, um, okay, let's just talk about the wig you wore in Rough Night. First for a minute. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about that. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, was it a lace front? It was a lace front. And was it made for you? It was made for me. And when you saw it on camera, what was your first reaction? I, so, okay. So here's the thing with Rough Night, right? <laughs> I I was playing this character who I just thought was kind of in denial of her blackness. Mm-hmm. And so I thought having, a, having straight hair would be the way to go. Mm-hmm. I did not want to wear a weave because I've worn weaves before and I just find them really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to find this compromise in what I should have done was taken my hair out of my braids and had l- less hair. And I think it would have looked a lot better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I kind of had to find this comp- compromise because I wanted to be able to take my wig off and then have my yeah. look, you know. And then you'd be prepared for uh, reshoots or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it worked for her. And I think it actually worked that it, I think it didn't look great. But I almost think that's better for the character because she's trying to be uh-huh. something she's not. You yeah, know? yeah. And um, and actually, I met you after Rough Night. I met you on the set mm-hmm. of um, Broad City mm-hmm. because you had done the. Did you meet uh, Alana and Abby uh, during the Rough Night filming? I had met Alana before, but wasn't close with her. But always, I'm such a huge fan of the show yeah. and love those girls so much. So great. I mean, oh, I know. Oh my goodness, I know. <laughs> Just a love affair. I mean, what a queen. Yes. Yes. So, um... And when I met you, you had short, cropped, blonde hair. Yes. I go through lots of... uh Lots of different hairstyles. Yeah. <laughs> Me, I do too. I mean, why not? <laughs> why not? That seemed very freeing though. And I look at that when girls have the short, short, cropped yes. hair. It's mm-hmm. like, oh. 
Yeah. Amazing. It's actually, I found it to be more work though. That's How? what they say. I've heard Just that Just because too, it's yeah. like when it grows out so fast mm-hmm. and when it gets into that awkward phase, it doesn't look right. Like you really have to maintain this kind of sweet sure. spot for yeah. the pixie cut. Not right. easy. Huh. Mm-mm. So I met you there. Mm-hmm. You were in New York. Do you live in New York? I do. And um, so how do you, when you have to audition, what do you do? Do they fly you out? Or you send a tape into L.A.? I send in tapes for the most part. And then when there's some, like a chemistry read or something that, you know, is taking right. it a bit further, I'll, yeah, I'll happily get on a plane. Now, it seems like the family business has been these huge blockbuster movies. Now, you were in the what series? Where the, Divergent. The Divergent mm-hmm. series. Your dad is in the... Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. And your stepfather is... Aquaman. Is Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's weird. Um, it's weird. Don't but forget it, about Baywatch, though. I mean, come on. Uh, who's in Baywatch? He was. He wasn't Jason Momoa in Baywatch. What, oh, maybe. Oh, like the original Baywatch show. Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think he was. Or like, oh, Hawaii Nights or something. Yeah, something. Yeah, something like yeah. That, too. That was yeah. Like another big yeah. series, guys. Don't. <laughs> so, but those 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 blockbuster movies like that, they'll pay some mortgage on some houses. They don't will. They? They'll play. They'll pay for some some tile and some nice yes. windows, <laughs> some curtains. Sure. Yeah. You don't want to turn that down. Uh-uh. How many of the Divergent movies did you do? We did three of them. Ah. Uh. Wow, I think, and you and you got to be <laughs> yeah. strong for those. Do, were you? Are you naturally athletic? I am. I think you know. I have you know. We from Africa. We have we have those strong. <laughs> we got those strong. You know, strong bones. Um, but it's nice. It's you, you get. To, I don't really. I'm not a very athletic person in terms of like. I don't play sports or anything like yeah. that. So it's great when you get to be paid to get in shape. I mean, that's like how the long, best case scenario. How much time did you get? How much? How long did it take you to get into shape before you, the cameras roll for say the first? The first one was a little bit longer, I think, for everyone because we were all kind of coming into this world. I, mm-hmm. They did like a couple weeks of boot camp before we even started to Just shoot. two weeks? Two, maybe three weeks. And and is that every day? That is seven days. No, five days a week. Five days Working a week. Working out five days a week, mm-hmm. eating the right foods, mm-hmm. drinking lots and lots of water. Mm-hmm. And, um, and did you build muscle? I did. And I get really muscly really quick. So now I've kind of learned how She's to like stay. It's like no body fat. I just get really broad. Like if I start lifting weights and stuff, I see it right away Mm -hmm. and it's not my look. So I had to learn how to kind of stay strong without looking bulky. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then the second one, Mm -hmm. did, is there, was it as athletic? Um, yeah, I think it was, but I think everyone had kind of, I tried to kind of stay in that shape because the hardest part is kind of getting the thing going, you know yeah. what I mean? Yep. Yeah. And once you get active, it's 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 pretty easy to stay in that kind of shape. Yeah. Now, I want to switch over to Big Little Lies. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're doing a scene with Nicole Kidman, do you <laughs> actually forget the fact that that's fucking Nicole Kidman right there? No. I mean, now now I've, I've gotten a little bit used to it, but, I, you know, there was the last scene of... Or the finale of the first season, mm-hmm. and I've just done uh, the thing. If you have yes, uh huh, right, done the, the thing, thing, the thing. And we were filming it, and Nicole's going crazy. I mean, she's got tears in her eyes, and she's and Reese is going crazy, and and Laura's going crazy, and everyone's like being so emotional and amazing. And I swear, I had this out of body experience where I'm just, I felt like I was sitting back and eating popcorn <laughs> and just watching these bitches work, and I was like. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, wait, I'm in the yeah, scene, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then after it was done, I looked at Nicole. I was like, you're really good. <laughs> <laughs> like, you guys are all really good. I like, couldn't believe that I was a part of that. And what, when you were in it, did you feel the heat? I That eventually became the you know, phenomenon. Like what it would be. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I fully knew it was going to be such a phenomenon. For me, it kind of already was because... 
I was about to work with these legends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I had already won. You know what yeah. I mean? I had already gotten to the top because yeah. I couldn't believe I was about to be on camera with these women I had grown up loving and watching. And then on top of that, for it to have such an impact mm. and mean so much and so many women and not women, men, everyone, people who have been in abusive relationships have come forward saying the show really impacted them. And mm. so I love that it has such a wonderful ripple effect. And um, I think people who had been in that situation really felt seen. Yeah. Now, before a scene like that or any scene, mm-hmm. are those people and you you include, are you preparing, are like doing push-ups or headset, are you meditating? What's happening before the camera, the, before the director goes, okay, action. Are they doing weird stuff to prepare for Who's that scene? Who's the method actor? Who isn't? That's funny. Um, it. No one's crazy method. I mean, I think sometimes Nicole can, you know, if you see her go in. The crazy thing about Nicole, actually, is that she can go in and out of it. Like, mm-hmm. she can go from the intense, crazy tears in her eyes, and then mm-hmm. she'll, you know, they'll call cut, and she'll look at you and smile and yeah. start talking. And it's, right. like, kind of scary that yeah. you're able to just slide in and out. Um, for me, you know, I've had a lot of really emotional scenes this season, and I think... You work on it almost for like months before you start. You know, you start kind of meditating on that place that you want to be in. And then hopefully by the time that you're actually there shooting, you're able to tap in and out of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you don't have to be that person that's in the corner. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You have to protect your space, of course, and ask for what you need and um, stay in the zone. But I really think the work begins like weeks and weeks and weeks yeah. before you actually shoot the scene. I love that. We're going to go to break, but we'll be back with more Zoe Kravitz. But before we go to break, I just want to say, you know, um, nobody has the lace front game on lock better than Miss Nicole Akedaman. Her wings are so good. That yeah, bitch, that she, so listen, good. nobody in this business, I'm talking Mary J, I'm talking Beyonce, I'm talking everybody, nobody has the, the lace front game on lock I know. better than Miss Nicole Kidman. I didn't know that her hair in the show was a wig until we were sh- like halfway yeah, through the shoot. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, she has the right person. Making she has the right the person. I hear it's this guy in in London, uh, uh, England, mm-hmm. really? uh, not London, Kentucky, London, England, really? who does them. But uh, uh, you know, and she's smart because mm-hmm. the, the truth is, when you have reshoots and all that kind of stuff, you can go right back. You go right back. You go, it's uh, so uh, smart. So and so, uh, hand me that wig up on the <laughs> shelf right there because uh, I, I don't change my <laughs> hair. Hand me scene three. Yeah. yeah, and so you know, you don't have to go through all that time in the make in the hair chair. Before you go on, no, you just brilliant. slip that you thing slip on. Hand me that glue over there, honey. <laughs> exactly, so I'm, I'm, no, she's exactly. like, um, him, darling, hand me that glue, please. Hand <laughs> me glue. I'm gonna Can I get the glue? I'll get the glue. A little bit of glue. Glue? <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. I'm out. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to break. We'll, we'll be back with more Zoe Kravitz. <sighs> It's 2019, yay! And I'm sure you all have your New Year's resolutions, but what if this year was all about slowing down and being mindful? Imagine how many goals you could accomplish then. Now, listen, guys, you hear Rue and I talk about this all the time, slowing down, accomplishing goals, meditation, all that. That's why we're so excited to partner with Calm. Calm is the number one app to help you meditate, sleep, and relax. Practices like meditation and prioritizing sleep can leave you feeling more rested and you want to have the energy to go out and achieve your goals. And this is one way to do it. If you head to calm.com slash Rue, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programs, including guided meditations on issues like anxiety, stress, 
focus, including a brand new meditation each day called The Daily Calm, perfect to guide you into building a meditation habit. And Lord knows I could use that one. Sleep Stories, that's their bedtime stories for adults designed to help us all relax before we doze off. Head to the Lavender Fields of France with Stephen Fry or explore New Zealand with Jerome Flynn, you know, Braun from Game of Thrones. Love Game of Thrones. Rue has always talked about doing guided meditation and maybe that's something we can do with Calm in the future. Listen, guys, you know I'm going to write him about that. Just remember, this is a limited time offer just for you listeners. So go to calm.com slash rue right now for 25% off of a Calm subscription. That's C-A-L-M.com slash rue. Give yourself the gift of Calm this new year. Seriously, it might change your life. We are back with Zoe Kravitz. You've got a good Australian accent. Thanks I, so I'm much. not even that good. Thanks so much. I, how did you do that? You know, someone taught me how to make the sound, the R sound. It's really hard. The O, like the O, phone, yes. O. That's the hard sound That's to make. the hard one because I hard. can't say no. I can. This is the close. I'll show okay. you. This is as close as to no I can get. And I, I, what I do is I combine night. I start to say night, no. but then I change it. At to the, an R. At, yes. Mm-hmm. I go, night. That's night. great. That's good. But, that's, but yours is better. No. Yours is better. Okay. I think if you, instead of going straight to the night, go a little bit of the O first. No. Oh, no. oh, 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 you're good. <laughs> oh, oh, that is so hard to do. Have you spent time in Australia? A little bit. We did reshoots for Mad Max in Australia, but we didn't, we weren't there very long. I think it was for about a month. Oh, wait a minute. You were in that last Mad Max? Mm-hmm. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and right. Okay, wait a minute. Back up. I'm you either, get, you either have an ear for accents or you don't. Yeah. You do. It's like music to me. You know what I mean? It's kind yeah. of, if you have an ear for music, I think it's, if you have pitch, if you're listening to sounds, no, right? No, that's not true. No? Because I could sing you, because it's not easy. Oh, okay. I think some people, are, I think there's a part of that. Yeah. You're either good at it or you're not. Yeah. I cannot fucking do Australian singing. It's my life. hard. You're good. I just had to do an English accent in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Oh, that's right. You're in that yeah, too. Yeah, where I have a fabulous wig that I think you will like. <laughs> <laughs> but will Nicole approve of it? I think it might be her guy in England. <laughs> I bet it is. I bet it is. It is Actually. Yeah, yeah. So um, you did an English accent in there. I did. Because, you know, English and Australian, very different. Very different. Usually very you're different. good at one and not the other. Yeah. Yes. See, because my Australian accent has, has obliterated my my English accent. I can't do an English you accent can't? anymore. Not anymore. Did you work with a coach? I did. Hmm. Yes, I did work. I worked with a coach and I was there in London for a long time. And it was scary, though, because when you're surrounded by actual Brits, yes. mm-hmm. you know, they're staring at you. Yes. Like, and they're like, <laughs> And you're like, oh, well, can I offend well, anyone? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I think as an actor, though, there's a sense of, of being a medium and embodying that, that of the person. I think that, you, Michelle, you would be able to do an accent if you were around the other people and you yes. embody them as an actor. And you mm-hmm. just sort of, because you are a medium, you will are you can emulate people's behavior. And I think that's what happens. But Australia, and I've spent time him there mm-hmm. is is difficult yeah i think it would come and i'm really good with accents in the language like if i spoke french i'm really good uh-huh, uh-huh. at the, the inflections and the accents but australia you do a good um irish accent Ooh, that, i can't do that there. at all no i'm not great can it's we just, hear a little I'm bit not terrible little tiny terrible bit? really yeah it's just i'm a judge in ireland's got talent so i'm there uh, quite a bit so i hear it yeah but 
their accents are very sing-songy. Like, it depends yeah. on where you are. Also, regional accents. You yeah. Know? They're, in England, they're all over the place. Oh, my God, there's and so I, many different I'm sure kinds. Australia, yeah. they're different. Do what what region, what English accent are you doing? I did a very posh English uh-huh. accent. Yeah. yeah. So, so London, proper Yeah, London. yeah. And what did the coach tell you? What were the, when you started with the coach, what was the, what were the number, the top three things your coach told you about doing I an English accent? Th- I mean, I think what happens for a lot of people is that when you do an accent that's not your own, you can become very flat Mm. right you can kind of lose your personality because you're thinking about so many things Mm -hmm. and you're just you lose like the inflection so I think she was really great at um, keeping the song in mind you know what I mean Mm -hmm. keeping the different kind of notes and rhythms that you hit when you're um, when you're speaking and um, I'm a very you know abstract learner she would use kind of like colors and feelings Mm -hmm. and kind of give me you know it's kind of like a rough sound you know what I mean like things that really that click with my brain yeah yeah um, if you were in the middle of a scene and you did something and you went that was fucking terrible Could yeah i would stop? either stop or i would say to the director please don't use that tag okay. i heard i messed uh-huh. up on that one part <laughs> okay. yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah now do you are you still do you t- still taking classes do you go and brush up or do you have a coach come and i'm well we're done now so i'm not taking classes at the moment but we i you know i, I think i'll do some uh, some adr soon so i'll work mm-hmm. with her again for that and um but it's cool. It's one of those things that I think once you learn it, it's like riding a bike. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I'll have to brush up, but I think I, I know those sounds now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I've actually broken it down and tried to understand what the sounds are, you know? Yeah, yeah. But in general, did you did you start acting classes early on? Did your oh, parents put you in? And no. No, not really. I was always really... I, I would do it myself. I would do it at home. I would put on shows for my grandparents and my mom. I'd make them watch me sing somewhere over the Aww. rainbow in the mm-hmm. living room mm-hmm. and then whenever I was in school I starting in in high school I was in drama club mm-hmm. and would, here in or in New York in New York what school did you go to Rudolf Steiner you know um Waldorf schools oh uh, Waldorf's no. amazing yeah they're where, amazing where, what street where is that it's on 78th and Madison but they're all over the world and mm-hmm. Rudolf is a way of teaching yeah Rudolf Steiner was a German philosopher and mm-hmm. he developed this kind of alternative education very hippie. system very hippie <laughs> very <laughs> you know my parents they call Waldorf Waldorf schools are like the tree hugging yes oh, they are yeah. but I love perfect they, for your parents yes. exactly <laughs> but I, what I love about those schools is that they, they really embrace art the whole thing is about being a well-rounded person mm-hmm. so in those schools art and academics are seen as equals Mm -hmm. and so even if you don't you know if you're not into drawing you still have to learn how to draw art if you know all that thing it's great so um anyway so I was in drama club and that I think kind of sparked my interest and and then um I had just put all of my time into acting and singing and all of that and then all of a sudden high school was over and it was time to just do something else and that was the only thing I I knew how to do. Yeah. Now, um, without getting too political, you know, when you come from your background in the Steiner schools and and you have artistic parents, how do you reconcile your own personal evolution with what's happening in the world today? How Mm. do you, how do you find that, that balance where you're not just going crazy that shit fucking crazy over where the world is and by the way this all of this it's not normal it is not normal and for the kids who are watching or listening to to this it is this is not a normal mode of operations and humans are have never been i was gonna not because they never been that mean there have been times in history when it's been this mean but and this is one of those times but this is a long time ago it shouldn't be happening should not be happening how do you find make peace where do you find sanctuary how do you reconcile your peace of mind in this time i have to put my phone down sometimes i think there is just 
there's so much information out there right now. And I don't know if sometimes I wonder if the world is extra evil right now or we're just getting all of the information that we didn't have before because you're getting all of it from all over the world all the time. And so it's so easy to go down this rabbit hole. And I think it's so easy to feel helpless. Mm-hmm. Um And it's not that we should ever ignore the problems or walk away, but I do think it's important to look at what's right in front of you sometimes. Um, And again, I don't mean to to dismiss the real issues at hand, the bigger issues at hand. But you know, if I start looking online and start reading the news, I can just go into this deep, deep depression, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden feel like, oh my God, what? How do I? fix all of this myself right Mm -hmm. now before Mm -hmm. dinner Mm -hmm. and (laughs) and it's important for us all for our mental health to look right in front of us look at the people who love us practice love in our personal lives yes so that we can ripple that out and hopefully it will have a larger effect yeah do you have a spiritual practice you meditate i try and i try and meditate um I don't do yoga so much. I think I should because, girl, I need we to stretch. Mm, mm. Um, I know. Mm. Um, Prayer and did you were you ra- I, raised with any type of? I know your father. My was, father's religious. He's Christian. Yeah. I don't follow that religion, but I, I've never felt the need to know the answer. I yeah. don't need to know. I do pray. I don't necessarily know who I'm praying to. I re- I talk to my grandmother sometimes. Um, and I'm just talking to whoever's listening. That's right. And I think it is important to have that dialogue, but I don't think it's important to know exactly who you're talking yeah, to. Yeah, th- you don't have to know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the a, universe, really. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just connecting with something bigger than you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I do believe in that. And I kind of, le- I, I like not knowing. I think that's part of the beauty of life. Yeah. Now you talked about the, is it the Steiner School? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay, you know, th- th- you know, your generation gets a bad rap of about being, um, I don't know, uh, I don't know how to put this. Entitled? But, well, yeah, there's that, but <laughs> I'm just wondering. Throw if, it out there. I'm just don't wondering hold back. if this school also arms you with the ability to use your GPS system and actually know how to step out two steps outside of yourself to look at yourself. Because mm-hmm. I think that's the key to navigating, uh, especially in this day and age, of being able to see yourself and hear what you're saying. And uh, and be able to laugh at yourself. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, the great things about these schools, and obviously, you know, I'm very lucky. A lot, of, a lot of people can't afford to go to these kinds of schools or don't have access to these kinds of schools. They're very small, and because of that, you are able to get to know everyone in your class. So there's not really this clicky thing going on, and so you're really forced from That's an amazing. early age to understand people who are different than you Mm. and not just ignore them or make fun of them and walk away. And because it's not like there's a thousand people so you can say some snarky comment to them and then never see them again. If I said something rude to someone, they're going to be probably next to me in 10 minutes. So um, I think I always had to... I felt responsible for how I treated Absolutely. people from a very early age. Yeah. Well, you yeah. kids are the ones. I mean, we talk about privilege and entitlement. Just kidding. But you kids are the ones that are shaping the earth. You guys yeah. are what we're leaving it mm-hmm. up to. Yeah. So it's almost great that you kids are as angry as we are mm-hmm. because yeah. you guys, you're the voices that need to be heard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Zoe Kravitz, uh, it looks like we're being called back to the judges panel. Oh, let's do Time it. Right yes. <laughs> 
Yeah, enough with this peace and love stuff. Yeah, Let's yeah. judge some drag queens. Got some queens. <laughs> to, ju- to judge, also just to judge. Right, to judge. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for thank joining us. Thank you so much for having me today. to have you. Thank and you. Uh, we will look forward to Big Little Lies 2. Yes. Oh, my God. And all the other movies in the uh, uh, Fantastic, Fantastic Beasts 2. Yes. And all the other movies you have in the can. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right, we'll be right back after this. It's 2019, kids, and what are you doing for yourself? A great place to start in protecting yourself and your future is investing your money and doing it the right way. Listen, I am clueless when it comes to this stuff. I really don't know what to do. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. This is why this is a go-to for me, Robin Hood. They're non-intimidating, and this is a great place for newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. It's simple. It's intuitive. The design is very clear with data presented in an easy-to-digest way, and I have to tell you, that's the way that I need it. Cost. No commission fees. Other brokerage places have charged up to $10 for every trade. I did this years ago and got robbed out of so much money, you guys. That's why I was scared to do this again. But Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees, trade stocks, and keep all of your profits. Easy to understand charts and market data. You can place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. This is what we've become because of Robinhood. The web platform also lets you view stock collections, 100 most popular, or things like entertainment and social media. And they curated categories like female CEOs, all this really great stuff. Robinhood makes it super easy for you. They're giving our listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Jump into 2019, a good way for you and your future. Sign up at rupaul.robinhood.com. That's rupaul.robinhood.com and help protect yourself. We have Erica Ash with us right now. Uh, you know, uh, just you are so gorgeous. Thank now you. you went to Decatur. You went to school in Decatur, Georgia. Decatur, where it's greater. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's what they tell me. Well, anyway. how, how, how long did you spend in in uh, Decatur? I actually, you know, I'm an army brat, so yeah. for us to start and finish in Georgia is a huge deal. And that's what do you I mean, start and finish? So that was my father's first station as well as his last station oh, wow. before he got out of the military. Oh, he was down at what was that thing called? Fort Benning. Fort Benning. Mm-hmm. Yes, he yeah. was in the army. He's in the army. He was a he was actually a chaplain captain in the army. So, so I'm he, the daughter of two preachers. Oh, oh, so your mother's a preacher too? Yes. And what what uh, denomination is uh, were you all? Uh, my mom's Baptist. My uh-huh. father was Church of God in Christ. Ooh. So it's similar. It's not like you know two completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, you know they just praise differently. So um, what were the years you were in Georgia? I was in Georgia. Oh my my my. Um, gosh, you went to high school. I, I went to there. high school there and college there. And then I did. You went to Emory? Is that what you went? You... I went to Emory. I yeah. was pre med at Emory University. Pre med. And did you yeah. finish? No, I did not. Well, I, yeah, I finished undergrad. Yeah. But in terms of like the medical school track, no, I did not complete that. And I... the medical school thing was to appease your parents? Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Listen, when you, when you are the daughter of a preacher slash military officer, you kind of learn to just, okay, this is what it's going to yeah. be. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, ma'am. And that's pretty much it. And it wasn't until college that I actually started questioning. I was like, wait a minute, right. is this making me happy? Right. Uh-huh. And then I started like 
getting no's. And I was at first nervous. I was like, what does that mean? What, is, what does it mean? Like, I'm not happy about it. Do I have a choice? And then I started exploring those things. So that's why I think college is great. Stay in school, kids. <laughs> how were your parents when you said, well, I'm no longer going to be a doctor? Um, the fact that I knew how they were going to be is the reason why I didn't tell them. Oh. I, d- I kept it a secret. So I did this for a year without them knowing. And then after I paid off all my school loans right. in that first year, saved wow. up money, got my own apartment, furnished it, and then put a little money in the bank and flew my mother over to Japan where I decided to, where I made this huge life-changing decision mm-hmm. to tell her there wasn't really much she could argue right. with. Because it's like, well, why did you want me to be a doctor? Honestly. Yeah. Because you weren't sure that it was going to fulfill all those parts of me that you know made me know that this is why God really put me on the earth. Right. Mm-hmm. It was just something that you could feel proud of me right. to say that your child did. Yeah. And then also something that you wouldn't have to worry about me because I would make the appropriate funds to take care of myself. Yeah. 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 So now I'm doing something that you shouldn't be ashamed to tell people that your child does especially because she can now take care of herself. Right, right. right. And this is how so, I'm so let me that. just work this timeline because, okay, you were going to college at Emory mm-hmm. and then for a year they didn't know you were going to college and you were living in Japan for a year before they found out you were not finishing your... No, that was right after college. So right after college, undergrad, uh-huh. I, I finished Emory. Um, after that is when I went to Japan for the year. Right. What did they think you were doing in Japan? They thought I was teaching English because what I had agreed to with my mother was that I would take a year off and then go to medical school. And she felt comfortable with that because there was a lot of, you know, it's a lot of... that gap year, baby. Yeah. 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 And I I didn't take a gap year, obviously, between Mm. high school and college. I went, you know, straight through. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I know that medical school is going to be very daunting and very frustrating and tough and I'm already almost at the point of burnout so that I don't get there and waste your money for medical right. school let me have this time yeah and she was completely you know amiable to why that. Japan so amenable to that um, I wanted to go someplace that my parents had never couldn't been. Couldn't get to you. And they couldn't get to me. <laughs> and, yes. Oh, and cost a lot to, of money to call. They would have to call <laughs> and make arrangements. Yes. There would be no surprise pop-ups. Right. And, yeah. You know, and college wasn't really far enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you Wait, stayed in Georgia. They were, okay, you went to Emory, which is in Atlanta. They were living also in Atlanta? Yes. Okay. Buckhead to Decatur. That's about 15, 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pop-up visit. <laughs> It is. It is. Do they still live down there? Yes, they both still live down there. Not together anymore, unfortunately, uh-huh. but they both still live down there. And coincidentally, they're both still here right now in, in LA. Los Angeles. Yes. What, did they come out here together? No, they came out <laughs> separately because I, you know, I broke my back. Yeah. Oh dear. Um. Yeah. How did that happen? Well, listen to this story. Oh, God. You know the story oh right? she's waiting. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Fine. Bring your judgment. Yeah. I got <laughs> answers. Come on. I got issues, yeah, but I, mean, I got you, answers. Broke your back. I broke my back in three places. Oh so, no! 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 Yeah. So I was with um some friends and we were in Cancun. And this is not a sex to, story, is it? It is not. Okay. It is not. Though this is kind of a good setup for like a really, <laughs> really steamy I'm, sex story. I would hope that if you break your back it's because of some rough sex. No. Yeah. All stories could start like, so we were in Cancun. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Um, but we decided to go like spelunking. So we went to jump what off of spelunking, this cave exploring. So yeah. you basically, you can either go swimming, you know, underground in cave and see the stalagmites and stalactites and all that stuff. It's just a cool experience, you know, swimming in a, yeah. in a little in a, dark uh, yeah, hole. Right. Yeah, they just rock. call it spelunking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so we decided to, to jump off of this lagoon first. It was part of the whole package. Oh, I don't like where this is going. Jump off this you. cliff into this lagoon. It's oh. 75 feet. Listen, and when you're jumping, like feet. this is going. When you're jumping from that high, they tell you you have to make sure that your arms and legs are completely straight because you have to pierce the water yes. in such a way that it doesn't, you know, Shatter otherwise your it's bones. like oh. otherwise it's like falling on concrete. Mm-hmm. And I knew we start off at the top, right? And then you <laughs> climb down, put your stuff down, go back up and then jump. I said if I go down and see this from that side, yeah. there's no way I'm going to come back up right. and do this jump. So if I think in my mind that I want to do this jump at any point in my life, now is the time. It can only happen yeah, now. Exactly. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Kamikaze! Uh-huh. I run. I jump. And then at the point where there's no ground under my feet, I think, maybe this wasn't such a great idea. Oh. And it's that thought that made me start, like, literally, like, yeah spin and you know panic yes and panic and i started kicking my legs and by the time i hit the water i was in a seated position yeah because it goes fast it goes so it it goes fast but 75 feet doesn't go as fast as it should (laughs) right right right. you know what i mean yeah time to think about yeah like it's like it's like a a 20 foot drop is like oh my god oh thank god that was over Yeah. yeah 70 foot is like, oh my God, oh my God, wait, oh, oh my God, oh, no. oh okay. Oh my God. You know goodness. what I mean? Yeah. So, and then when Did I- you feel it when you hit the water? I felt it when I hit the water and everything went white and I literally did a 360 degree turn and in that 360 degree turn, I saw myself underwater. Ooh. And then by the time I registered that I had just seen myself, I was back at the zero point of the, of the circle, right? And then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm still alive. Everything was white. I come up from under the water. My eyes are like as biggest turn and i'm just like i immediately adrenaline takes over and i start like just kicking my arms and my legs just to get to the side of the lagoon and then by the time i got to the side my i felt my um body and torso start to lock up from the bottom up mm-hmm. as i'm kicking my legs and i'm fighting against it because i'm like if i lock up completely i'm not going to be able to swim no you'll drown exactly yeah. so i got to the side and then the last top of my uh, torso just underneath my ribs locked up and I couldn't move. Oh my God. Yeah. So I, I sat in the water for about 45 minutes. You just, what? Yeah. Well, somebody knew already at this point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They knew like everybody knew. Everyone like, knew. But why sat? Why you, you sit in the water for like for 45 a minutes? Because I couldn't move and I had to like, you know, I was like trying to like. Oh, your muscles were probably my spasming. My muscles were spasming yeah. out of control. Like, and my they whole couldn't body move you. Like, they no, knew no, not no. to move you. Yeah. No. Anybody who came near me was like I was popping off on everybody. Are you okay? Stop talking to me directly. Right. <laughs> Don't anybody <laughs> write a letter. I'll answer it next. Yeah, yeah. I was in so much fun. Like I, I couldn't talk, and it's crazy because you know everybody's being so sensitive and caring, but you can't talk. How'd they get no. you out of the water? After forty, like after forty-five minutes, like I was just, I was really nervous the whole time and trying to move, but like after forty-five minutes, I was able to like kind of start moving my mm. legs a mm. bit, and then so like I started like straightening them and holding on to the edge and like just kind of straightening in mm-hmm. the water, mm. and then um, my boyfriend came down and um, we just slowly like I, I basically was not on his back. 
but most of my weight was on his back mm-hmm. and he was he we were drag he was drag walking me mm, out of mm, mm. out of there. Okay, now let's just rewind a little bit. Now the the problem here was that you did not go to the bottom and assess the situation first. Is that exactly. right? That's the first that's number one. Yes. The second is that you decided, you know what, I, I'm not you know, I'm just gonna do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna run, I'm gonna do this. Mm-hmm. And then the third, the third thing was that while you were doing, you said, oh, hell no, right. this was not a good idea. And you started right. flinging your, your body around. Yes. Because you were supposed to lock, what were you, you supposed like to do? You have to commit and you jump like, yeah, yeah, you jump like a pencil. You have to keep your, your legs and feet, your arms and legs feet pointed. First. Feet first. Feet first. Yeah. Feet and arms pointed. Even if you dive, you have to dive Straight. Yes. You can't have that. That's bend. why divers use their right. hands like this. Exactly. Yes. You know, to uh-huh. break the seal. To break the thing. Yeah. Right. And the... then over certain heights, they can't even do that. Even if they dive as straight as an arrow from certain heights, they have to disturb the water. Yeah. Um, right. manually in order for a diver to be safe to die. Wow. Oh, yeah. my goodness. How far into the vacation did this happen? This was the last day of the vacation. We were scheduled to leave the next morning. Yeah. That obviously didn't happen. Right. I spent the rest of the day and most of the night in the hospital. Um, in a Mexican hospital. In a Mexican hospital. Cancun. I'm good on that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I just want you to know, thank you so much for taking care of me. <laughs> I am good on that. <laughs> The next time <laughs> I ever get any bright ideas to do anything dangerous that could possibly end up in a hospital, I will remind myself of this particular time and make another decision. Oh How oh were you able God. to fly? What? Yeah, wait, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was, the next day I couldn't. I had to cancel. I, and I, yeah, and I the pressure swore. Right? I was going to get on that plane, but I could not do it. Do I it. literally called. I was like, I don't know what you need me to get. They were like, well, you have a doctor's note, so we'll just change it. And and thank you. Shots out to Delta. They, like, changed that flight with mm-hmm. no problem. Easy peasy. And I was on. They gave me two options. They are like, you can either leave at the very same time tomorrow, mm-hmm. or we can put you on the same time at night the same that, mm-hmm. that next day. And what did they, what you choose? I choose, I chose, I choose. I, I choose. choose. You see what happened when you jump <laughs> in the concrete? Sometimes it make you go dumb in the head. That's what happened. So yeah. I choose. <laughs> so I choose it. Um, no, I chose the later flight on the second day. The because second I was day. like, at least I won't have to be up in the in the, in the early a.m. trying to figure things out, and if you know other people aren't awake, who's going to help me? Right, right. right who's going right, to help me, boo? Right, right, yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I chose the 8 p.m. flight, and it was actually great. My boyfriend was so sweet. Yeah, he had to fly back at his regular time, so he left the day before, yeah. like he was supposed to. But he hired someone to yeah. come and like just you know be with me take me to the airport they had to come to my hotel room with a wheelchair they lifted me into the wheelchair took Aww. me to the airport and then i they had like a vip lounge with like a little mm-hmm. like sofa mm-hmm. they put me on the sofa when it was time for my flight they came put me back in the wheelchair somebody who's athletic like you that must just freak you out i it, this is misery for yeah. me yeah like the idea of like not being able to use you know my legs yeah. when i've I can just get up and go to the restroom or I can just get up and go grab a glass of water or, you know, just get up and grab that remote control right there. Like, yeah. You don't think about that kind of stuff. And God forbid this should happen to anybody within the sound of our voice. But 
when you get in a situation like this, you understand how blessed you are to yeah. have all of your faculties and be able to even just reach over to say, oh, give me an uh, almond. Get, reach, finally yeah. fix me a plate real quick. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you really do. Exactly. Now, tell me this. Now, to this day, to, to, to where we are right now, how many days ago did this accident happen? Um... On Wednesday. Wait, no, wait, you go. What did no, it go. just wait, happened? Wait, wait a minute. Hold up. Hold yeah. up, Mr. Lover. Wait, <laughs> hold up. Yeah. Wait one damn minute. Yeah. Today is what? Today is Monday. 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 Monday? Yeah. This happened last Wednesday? Yeah. Girl, just what yeah. you yeah. doing up in here? Uh-huh. Shouldn't you be laid up somewhere? Uh, how many times am I going to get a chance to meet RuPaul? <laughs> huh? How many times am I going to get a chance to sit on a panel and judge other people next to the legendary RuPaul? Amen. Okay. Wednesday? Yeah. Girl. Listen, that's another thing, too. Me, too. I I get it. I have been laid up. Mm-hmm. And it has been, that's torture for me. Well, yeah. you look beautiful. I'm, thank you. You really look, look beautiful. Skin. Look at that skin. Look at that crazy. Skin. I was going to get to that. Are you kidding that me? That skin, that skin is crazy. Like now, um, where's that skin come from? Your mother or your father? I think it comes from a combination of both. Yeah. Like my mom, my mom's skin is impeccable. Are they from down there? Yeah. They're from they're down both, there. They're both from Florida. Oh, they're from Florida. Florida, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, I had so many questions. We still have, we got to go back to work. But, um, you know, I, I, I went to high school in Atlanta, in oh, Buckhead. Yeah. where? At the Northside School of Performing Arts. Bulk. <laughs> I went to Avondale. You did? Uh-oh. Oh, by the Martyr Station? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you did not, did he, was that shade? No. It's a, it's a, yeah, oh, you went to the bus stop high school. That's what, okay. The one, what about, is that, wait, was that stop number seven? Oh my God, my Did you need a transfer for that? Because I, okay. Uh, was that right by the mall? Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> Avondale. Oh my God. Back in my day, that was where the Marta station ended. They had built it up to that point. Uh-huh. I'm sure they've built it past there oh, by, yeah, yeah. Now. Yeah. by now. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, uh, Erica Ash, you are just a joy. We are gonna we're gonna send prayers. Everybody within the sound of my voice, we're sending you some healing, love, what and numbers? energy. What numbers? What numbers are Thank hurting? You. Is it L? Thank you. Yes, all the L's. All the L's. And then T eleven. Okay. And then you she got a T too. She got a thoracic and a lumbar. I got a thoracic and a lumbar. I know it. Well, you know, when we talk again, you will be able to tell us what the bigger metaphysical message in this happening. Because when things like this happen, don't it's cliff not, dive. It's, well, that's the number yeah. one. That's at the top that's of the good. list. I Thank felt you. like that was biblical. Thank no, you. but yeah. that's number one. But as time goes on, you get to go, you know. Uh, first of all, the back represents being supported in life. It represents that the people are lifting you up. So to break your back, there is some significance there. There is huge significance there. What's coming to you right now? I'm not going to go too deep into mm-hmm. what you just said, but I will give you that you are very, very psychic. Mm-hmm. And I totally connect with you on that. We're going to have to have a talk today, mm-hmm. later on after we get mm-hmm. up. But... Um, you're absolutely right. And I think for me, all of the things that happened to me physically, because mm-hmm. I grew up throwing myself from trees. I yeah. would pray to break a bone or that oh. something would happen. Oh. I could never get sick. Yeah. I could never break a bone. Like nothing would ever happen. And mm. I, I think as I got older and adult and I started tapping into my emotional things, mm-hmm. things that I needed to fix relationship-wise mm. with different people around me and within myself, I started to, I started to get um, concurrent 
sicknesses. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. Various, various yeah. illnesses sure. would come up. Yep. And then I would find that there would be some sort of correlation between that and the particular yes. emotional thing I was yes. tackling at the time. And it's so very interesting that no. I had a series of, of dreams. And when I looked them up, they dealt with certain relationships Absolutely. in my support system. Absolutely. That's why you and have to pay attention. Happened. You have yeah. to pay attention to all those things. There, I, you know, I've always looked for signs and magic and look for the, the I've always been a seeker of the truths and, and what things mean. And you, you can't be blind to these things. That's why when we talk again on the same podcast, you'll be able to tell us exactly what that was so that I don't, you know, hopefully it could help someone out listening, but or not. Not or not because usually people have to figure this stuff out on their own. Yeah, you know. But something major like this happening, where your whole the support system for your physical body yeah. on this planet yeah. has been broken in three places. Damn it! If that's not God trying to tell you something, yeah. uh -huh. then I don't know what is. And it's three dreams that I had about three people, which is really very interesting. Yeah, uh -oh. look at that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you know, I didn't put that part together for just now. Yeah. So. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you, let the church say amen. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, amen. listen. <laughs> amen. I'll, I'll say and amen. <laughs> Thanks, Grandma. And Thanks. always, always point your toes. That's right. right. Point your toes. Well, okay. We're going to go to break. Are we saying goodbye now, Mr. Producer? No, we're going to go to break right now. And then we're going to go and judge some drag queens. Yeah. Yes. And uh, Erica Ash, thank you so much for joining us. And we will be sending, we will have our prayer circle surrounding you with love and good energy to lift you up and support you because you are God's child. Thank you so much. Yes. I appreciate that. All right. All right. We'll be right back after this. You know what I'm going to talk about? One of my favorite apps in the world. Rue and I swear by this. And yep, it's Today Ticks. It's the easiest way to buy last minute Broadway and theater tickets at the very best prices. You can discover over 80 musicals, comedies, dramas, so much more. And that's only in New York City alone. It's also available in London, San Francisco, Los Angeles, DC, Chicago, Seattle, Philadelphia. More cities coming soon. So stay tuned. You can even see me right now. Now, in Everybody's Talking About Jamie, I'm playing Miss Hedge. It's right now on the West End. I am coming to you live from London, and you can check it out right there on Today Ticks. They pioneered mobile lotteries and mobile rush technology. You could enter lotteries to see shows at deep discounts in all of the cities that they're in. Today Ticks gives you access to insider deals, exclusive offers. Rue and I swear by this for a reason. It's actually amazing. They will never sell you obstructed seats, and you can get tickets up to 50% off in just a few taps. So download the Today Ticks app for free on iOS and Android. That's Today T-I-X or visit todayticks.com to see what's playing this week and treat yourself to a show. I'm going to recommend everybody's talking about Jamie in London, but of course, it's up to you and I'll see you on the West End. We've got Tim Bagley here. You guys know Tim Bagley from everything, but more recently from uh, Grace and Frankie. Now, I, we saw each other at the table reading, yes. but we didn't have any scenes together. We didn't have scenes together. Yeah, we sat uh, next to each other at the table read. Yes, and we um, played footsies. No, um, <laughs> I was just telling you we're we're of course on the set of something else right now. But I was just telling you, I don't know if that was today or yesterday. You know what's funny about that? We were talking about this. We're at work filming something now, and. I don't have any concept of time because in the context of doing this, this show, we're at night, we're in day, we're three days ahead. Now we're doing a flashback. So 
I get. Were we talking about Jane Fonda today? Was that today? Uh, that was. Oh, good, good point. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It could have been today or it could have been yesterday. Yeah. Well, but you're you're on these shows all the time, so you must live in a constant state of where am I? What time is it? Where, where am I? What time is it? What's reality? What's make believe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there. That slippery slope. It's slippery. It's a very blurry line. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Uh, so you're. Are you a series regular on Grace and Frankie? No, I do about seven. I've been doing about seven. You know, or eight episodes a season. How many sh- How many seasons have you been on there? Uh, I think we've done five seasons so five far. Five seasons. Yeah. And the first two, the first episode, I was just supposed to be in one. And so yeah. that first season, I did two episodes. Second season, one episode. And then after that, it's been yeah. somewhere between five and eight. I don't know. Well, and you've been on television regularly for many, many years. Yeah. Uh, uh, I you you and Michael Yuri did that show Workaholics. Yeah, we did. I, I yeah, we had a real good time on there. I um, love that show. Yeah, I really liked it too. The three guys were great, and it was innovative, and I, I liked it. I had a great time. I thought that was the gayest show on television. More gay than uh than Drag Race. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Did you guys film that in? You know, it takes place in Rancho Cucamonga. Where did you film that? Oh, God, I don't remember. Don't remember. I don't remember. I know it was on location um, somewhere in somebody's home. Yeah. And that's all I know. It was a, you know, I remember being in in somebody's home and, um, (laughs) oh, I think it was next to where the three guys actually really lived together. Yeah, right. Because, and so I think it was a home on their block. Yeah. Well, I was an avid uh, fan of that show. And yeah, you've become that guy who... People know your face on television, but they don't know your name. You've become that guy. That's interesting. Yeah. I do like that I can go out and have anonymity and people don't really, you know, people, every once in a while somebody will come up, but the I like that I can, I I, I have, you know, I can be private out in the real world. I like really? that. Really? I would think people go, hey, I've seen you before. What, you know, what? They do. A lot of times people will say, "I." this is what I get a lot. I get, I know you. We've uh-huh. met before. Uh-huh. And then I say, um, I hate to say I'm an actor because then they say, what have you been on? And right, then when right. I list them, they'll say like, oh, I hated that show. Oh, I never <laughs> watched that. Oh, no, not that. Yeah. No, that. And I end up feeling horrible about my credits. And so I, um, so, so what I do is I just say, no, I'm Tim Bagley. What's your name? And then they, they say, we know somebody. We've been yeah. somewhere. And they say, do yeah. you know Tommy and Hervé? And I uh-huh. say, no. And they list all their, you know, do you know Bobby and Joe? Uh-huh. No. And they go through their, yeah. They're all their gay friends. And yeah. I'm like, no, we don't know each other. Well, you know, people will do that with me too. And really? I'll just, I will walk away because I I figure they're trying to do the bit. They're trying to engage me to do the bit. And I don't want to do the bit. So I can have to tell them, oh, I'm this. And they go, oh, oh. And they want to take a selfie and all that. Because I'm not oh, here yeah. for that. I got shit to do. Yeah, I right. got bills to pay. Right, right. You right. know. So um, how long have you been acting? Uh, Well, I... I mean, I came out here and I went to college and studied psychology and art, but I took an acting class and I took a dance class and stuff. And I ended up just dancing for a year with Mitzi Gaynor. What, I want and to then, talk about that, but okay, what college did you go to? Cal State Fullerton. Cal State Fullerton. It was Fullerton. free back then. Uh-huh. And so then I... and so I You took after, a dance class and somehow you got a job with Mitzi, Mitzi uh, Gaynor. Gaynor. I, I auditioned 
answered an ad in Drumalog, and you know, I you know, and back, who hired she hired you or she hired me, and Tony Shermley was the choreographer. Yeah, and um, and then uh, you know, after that year, I remember you know somewhere in there, I remember telling you this somewhere in there, I felt like you know this is actually a skill. Dancing. That I don't have uh-huh. so <laughs> but I, you faked it for I, a I year. I faked it for a year. Yeah. And then I... Uh, Do you have rhythm? It's not yes. like you didn't have rhythm. I had rhythm and all that and also confidence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and it's amazing that y- youthful confidence, you know, before you realize what you can't do. Yeah. You see a lot of that today. <laughs> I think all kids grow up with that today. Yeah. You know, I think it's parents trying to right the wrongs of their childhood because they look back at their childhood and go, you know, the one thing I did have mm-hmm. was confidence. Right. So I'm going to give it to my kid, whether they <laughs> earned it or yeah, not. Yeah, that's right. Right. You know. So somewhere after there, I just started taking acting classes in town uh, shortly after that. Here and in Hollywood. In Hollywood. Yeah. And, you know, with different teachers. And I ended up at the groundlings and going oh. through those that school and then ended up being in the company for five years who are you in the company with uh lisa kudrow uh kathy griffin julia sweeney um uh let's see who else was in there um uh mike hitchcock jennifer coolidge uh-huh. uh, mindy sterling a whole bunch of people and then towards the end is when will ferrell was coming in and and Sherry O'Terry and yeah. and Maya Rudolph and that. that wow. And that. so those people who you were in the Groundlings <clears throat> with, did they subsequently get you jobs or recommend you for jobs? Um, <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I, I think that what what was really useful with those relationships, and they're still my best. You know, a lot of them are still my my closest friends. One of the things that was really beneficial was just having somebody when we were all starting out with nothing and having a little tribe of people Mm -hmm. that you can say i'm going through this experience with. Mm -hmm. i'm on the set i don't i'm panicking i don't know what to do and having them say here's what you should do and giving you ideas of how to so having that kind of support system was really invaluable to me is that when they suggested what to do when you're having a panic attack on set or doing whatever did any of them suggest coffee enemas? <laughs> no, no. And you call them, still call them your friends? <laughs> yes. Huh, that's interesting. Really? Yeah. yeah. No, I've never, I've, I I don't know anything about coffee enemas. Just in, any enema at all? Do you know anything about in, any enema at all? Um, I know that I've had a colonoscopy and I did something that was felt like an enema. Yeah. Oh, but right. that's the only thing I've never had like a... An enema proper. Really? Um, because, you know, uh, your colonoscopy, um, you know, once you turn 50, everyone is, it's recommended for everyone. Mm-hmm. Men and women, by mm-hmm. the way, mm-hmm. are supposed to have them. Mm-hmm. And they give you, and apparently you're supposed to go back every five years. Yeah, that's right. Have you been back? I'm, trying, um, I'm not trying to figure out how old you are. Uh, well. How many times have you had a coloma? Colon- I've had two colonoscopies. <laughs> <laughs> There's your answer. Yeah, there you're. <laughs> Very clever way of asking me. You could have just gone to IMDb. You know, it's interesting because I've had one, and um, I'm, I guess I'm going to be due for another one very soon. But uh, uh, what they do is they have you drink some stuff. Something starts with a B. 
the night before and you don't eat anything, right? And it, I mean, as soon as you take, it's called Baranol or something. I don't remember what it was called, but it was a shitstorm. Yes, it's a shitstorm. <laughs> it clears you out immediately. Yes. And then you can't eat anything. And then you go in, they put you under and they stick the thing up your bum, but you're not really aware of it at the time. Well, were you awake for it? Um, they put me on propofol. Oh, and, um, and, but uh, I was con- there was a part where I kind of woke up and he just kind of told me to close my eyes. Yeah, was a and part think of I, England. I don't yes. know. I just remember kind of waking up and him telling me that. And the other thing I remember about that is that I, I um, forgot to take off my underwear. Oh dear! And so right before we, you know, the anesthesiologist came and I said, you know, I forgot to take off my underwear and they said, we'll, we'll do it for you. And then when I woke up in the waiting area, I, I woke up and I came to and my one underwear was sitting on my chest folded. Oh. And I thought, how many people walked by and saw my underwear yes. like folded under my chin? Wow. Oh my goodness. Life's a weird journey. You, yes, you know, if is. you're in it for the long haul, you'll experience lots of different things. Yes. You told me something interesting. I don't know if you want to talk about it, uh, that you had gone through uh, gay version conversion therapy therapy. but you enrolled yourself into it well yeah this was back you know uh around the early 80s and i thought you were gonna say early 1800s i really (laughs) swear to god i thought you were gonna say the early this was nothing but orange groves (laughs) 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 i was a part of the church tent yes no Uh uh-huh No, what what it was for me was it was during a time really when there was no, you know, like gay straight alliance or, you know, any kind of real support system for gay people. There was the Gay and Lesbian Center. Mm -hmm. And um, but what I did was um, I was going to a therapist and, you know, I was trying to have my therapist help me figure out how not to be gay. So Mm -hmm. I was trying all these different modalities I saw. Uh, a sex surrogate uh before i saw the sex surrogate though i went to this um conversion therapy and what i remember i was there there were a couple things i was there and you know we would go in and talk every week about you know if we were backsliding or Mm. it's because it's religious based Mm -hmm. and you know we would describe you would hear somebody describing their situation and everybody was just kind of, you know, listening and living vicariously, vicariously through whatever somebody's experience was, like at an adult bookstore uh-huh. or something like that. They yeah. would describe it. And we were all just like, you know, <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead. Yeah. yeah, it was very, you know, it was like that. I remember that feeling. I remember um, somewhere in there, the two guys that started um this vineyard, the program that I was in that was a part of Genesis, which was the big mothership, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they ended up falling in love, leaving their wives and children, and kind of not looking back, just kind of ghosting, you know, just yeah. they disappeared. And we found out the next week that they had fallen in love and left. And they, they started Genesis. They started the yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. And... Um, and I remember thinking, well, this is not a good sign. Right. And, right. Um, and, and most people out there listening will know those two men today as Siegfried and Roy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, and, uh, and then um, after that, 
the next thing I went to, I did. Uh, you did it I again? A, no, I went to after that. That was like several months, and then I yeah. or a year. Yeah. And then oh, and then I ran into the guy that was assigned to me as my big brother many years later when I was at the Groundlings, and he came up and he was telling me that he was doing um, Rum Tum Tigger in in Cats, and and he was saying that you know he was still frustrated and you know, trying really hard to not be gay. And I remember thinking to myself, you're rum tum tigger. <laughs> you know, just own it. Like, like you are gay. <laughs> and, then, and, then, um, and then I went, I went after that, you know, my therapist suggested um, a, uh, uh, sex surrogate through Masters and Johnson. Mm. And so I went there and I, I, you know, worked with this sex surrogate for about um, seven months. And she was the one that actually, you know, you go in and you, you know, are having... You, you stop her. Yeah. yeah. And you're, t- but it's very clinical. So it's like, huh. you know, it's, she's, she was older. She was a... Who a would play therapist. her? Barbara Stanwyck? Um, I would think maybe Patricia Clark's Clarkson, maybe uh-huh. Kathy Bates. Sure. Yeah. Somebody a little older. Uh-huh. And, you know, and um and I remember uh so much about that, but um but she she was the one who eventually, you know, uh we kept people back then would refer to being gay as a mental disorder. Mm-hmm. Uh and it was in the DSM three, the the you know, psychology bible. Mm-hmm. And so she brought it down from me. Uh, she had this big book and she said, you know, I was looking this up and she said, it's no longer listed as a mental disorder. And uh, she said, so I think you need to stop thinking about it that way. And she said, what if you just shifted the way that you think about it? Right. And right. I was like, I'm not interested in doing that. I really want to be straight. And yeah. then she said, well, okay. And so she said, I think so next week we'll start on... Uh, fellatio and cunnilingus and I drove home and I was like I am gay yeah I am gay yeah what if yeah. she what if she had just said to you hun Tim you're rum tum digger yeah exactly I wasn't ready to hear it then yeah I was really still trying to not be gay yeah um, and then and then I went with a, a gay therapist that she introduced me to and within the first session he made me feel like yeah. I was a normal person and that I'm exactly as I'm supposed to be, yeah. and and help me kind of rethink how I looked at God and how I looked at my life. And yeah, well, you know what's interesting about that, and, it, and that's a beautiful story because it's the idea of a miracle is a change in your own perception. So the fact that someone could help you get to the place where you could change the way you think of yourself. I've said many times, and we're going to go to break in a minute. I've said many times. My biggest obstacles in this life have been my own limited perception of myself. So the ability to change your mind about yourself or how you see the world is huge. It's very powerful. And therein lies your own power. You know, I think a lot of young people uh, today want to blame their situation on the outside world. And sometimes it is the outside world has done something. But your responsibility is how you interpret that information, you know? That's right. And how you move forward through it and how you process it and let it help you 
grow and change and shift and like that. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Bagley's here. I want to ask you about the acting game and, and how you, you do that in this town and, okay. and, and create a, a career that's lasted a long time. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this. Style. Some of us have it, some don't. But just because a sense of style seems elusive for some doesn't mean it's impossible to attain. There's no time like the present to discover that style you never knew you had. And you can with a little help from our friends at Stitch Fix. Yes, Stitch Fix has reinvented how we find and buy clothes. You guys have heard us talk about it. We love it. Just answer some basic questions about your sizes, favorite styles, and your budget right from your laptop, your smartphone, or your tablet. Your personal stylist then springs into action, hand-selecting five brand new clothing items just for you. Look, I know. I know personal stylist sounds bougie and like something only the rich and famous can afford, but you can too. Stitch Fix's styling fee is only 20 bucks, which is actually waived if you keep all five items. And since your personal stylist uses only your preferences to pick your clothes, you're still in complete control, you control freaks. Once your items arrive, you try them on and only pay for what you keep. If you don't like something or you need another size, just send the items back no questions asked and check it out. The shipping is always free both ways. Yeah, we love that F word. Get your fix whenever you want or sign up to receive scheduled shipments. Even better. The choice is yours. We love Stitch Fix here at What's the Tea and we know you will too. Hurry to stitchfix.com slash rue and get started now. Keep all five items in your box and you'll get 25% off your entire purchase. That's stitchfix.com slash RU. Stitchfix.com slash Rue. We are back with Tim Bagley. I was telling him, he's asking about the podcast and I tell him, you know, we do these things. We have one that comes out every week. Uh, right now, uh, my co-host, my sidekick, which I used to call my psychic. Because when, <laughs> when, when, when Michelle and I used to do morning radio, oh, yeah. I'd say my, my sidekick. Or I was her sidekick, but it sounded like sidekick. Right. But you know, she's uh, she's uh, across the pond on uh, on the at the West End uh, doing a show. Oh, that's awesome! Right now, have you done theater? Yeah, I just finished doing uh, down at uh, South Coast Rep. Vanya and Sonia and Masha and Spike. Oh my goodness, that sounds funny. Yeah, it was it was really good. A Christopher Durang play, and it was it was uh, beautiful and funny. And oh, I, I know Christopher time. Durang. He's done lots of plays. Yeah, he has. Yeah, and uh, you would drive down there every day. I drove down there, and then they would put us up on the weekends. You know, when we did the shows. Oh, so the shows were on the weekends. Well, the shows are Tuesday through um, Sunday, but there were two show. There was a show on Friday and two shows Saturday, two shows Sunday. So they put us up on the weekends so that you know we would drive back the rest of the week. Right, and you drive back at night, so there wasn't any traffic. That's because, right. Is that in Costa Mesa? Yes. Yeah, because for people who don't know Los Angeles, we're in Hollywood right now, you know, driving anywhere is a major negotiation. And in fact, I shouldn't say this on, people are going to think terribly of me, but, um, you know, I live in West Hollywood like you, mm -hmm. and we're in, we're, in, um, we're in Burbank now filming at a major studio. <laughs> and I have rented a house down here really so that in i Burbank? don't in, in toluca lake so that i don't have to travel to west hollywood to west hollywood well you're in fairness you're here a lot a lot i'm here all the time yeah. so if it's late at night i don't have to drive yada 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 and also what why are you laughing our producer's laughing at me because he's laughing i'm sure everyone out there's laughing at me 
Um, but uh, my makeup artist, also who lives in Riverside, when she comes in, uh, she she stays at the house also. So there is more purpose. And I'm actually storing. Oh God, this is getting worse. I'm storing one of my cars at that house also. But people, <laughs> I don't give a fuck what people are thinking. Let them think what they want to Listen, think. Listen, they they the people that are listening to this love you and they know that you have a very big life and they want you to be comfortable <laughs> and happy they absolutely do that the first night that we filmed on something that apparently we're not supposed to well talk i about. guess we could talk about i don't when um alex when is this coming out soon wednesday is this coming out with this wednesday you mean yes. a few days from now yeah. okay because <laughs> <laughs> today's monday yes. this will be on out there for people to hear on in two days yes okay all right I, I hear you we co we co but when when we finished the other night it was like 1 30 or yeah. something like that and uh what did and, we do the other night was it, wait a minute it okay was what night was our, that it was uh, our last scene i don't remember it okay. but you know i finished the other night at two o'clock was yeah that, that's that right night? it was that night it was two o'clock because you had one more scene to do after. yeah mm-hmm. and um and i remember i was leaving and then i thought Oh, this is right by Toluca Lake. And I thought, Bob's Big Boy is open. Yes. Until, you know, like 24 hours. And I went over there and I got a, um, you know, the just the sandwich. And I, in my mind, I thought, well, I won't get the fries or salad uh-huh, uh-huh. because this way it's just like a snack. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I had my own logic for you it. Had, you had one of the Bob Big Boy burgers? Yes. Okay. Those are delicious. I know, right? Yeah. They have relish on there. Like That's they, right. They taste like an old time hamburger. They're, they're like, to me, they taste like childhood. That's yes. what we had. You know, that's but what we you had, had Frisch's in, 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 in Michigan, didn't we you? What? Frisch's. Is that what oh. Bob's Big Boy was called? Uh, I think Shoney's so. or Frisch's? Uh, I think Shoney's. Shoney's. Yeah, because yeah. in Atlanta, we had Shoney's. Out here, that's called Bob's Big Bob's Boy. Bob's Big Boy, yeah. And I think in the Midwest, it's called Frisch's. And also, there are different names for it, I think, yeah. all over the country. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and you can eat that late at night and not have a little agita to go to bed? Uh, well, yeah, but I was hungry. But then I, um, yeah, I got home and yeah, you know, I I shouldn't eat late like that. Right, 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 right. So now, okay, before we were talking about traveling down to South Coast Playhouse, where they have a lot of plays down there. How do people, how do people get around LA? How do people... Go to do things and see, catch a curtain at eight o'clock when it's the height of traffic. If you want to catch the curtain, if you want to be there at 730 or whatever, you have to leave at five o'clock. Do you know what I, I do a lot now when I'm going to see theater, when I'm going out and stuff? Is I just Uber. Yeah. Okay. Because there are so many, so many cars you didn't out Uber there. Did, to Costa Mesa, did you? No. No. No, right. I didn't. I, I drove down there. Yeah. But, um, or or a lift, but I mean, but I I just think that uh, you know you just I mean I'm so I've been here so many years yeah. and I'm just used to traffic like yes. Yeah. Well, you're from Michigan, yes, yeah. But let me just side note: can we just have a side note to all the um, rideshare drivers that putting on your emergency flashers is not an excuse for blocking a lane in traffic? You know, out here they put on their flashers. Because oh, I'm I'm working. I'm putting. I'm got to pick up a passenger. She's like, no, bitch, you're in the middle of a lane yeah, of traffic. Right. You mm-hmm. cannot stop there. Mm-hmm. And putting on your flashers does not excuse bad driving. 
Yeah. And they're actually, you know, we used to have uh, rideshare people who would advertise on our show. I, they probably won't advertise anymore on our show, but um, they haven't been here for a while. So I can talk about them now. I want to talk about the acting game because you've been doing it for a long time. You came from Michigan in here to California in 76. You went to Cal State uh, Fullerton. Fullerton. You took some dance classes. You took psychology. You joined the Mitzi Gaynor troupe. And boom, you're a big star in Hollywood. What happened between Mitzi Gaynor and getting on uh, your first big... And the Groundlings and getting on your first big show? I think that I was studying for a long time. And then uh, when I was at the Groundlings, uh, I got my first job, which was on The Mask with Jim Carrey. Oh, and, you know, once I got a job, I was able to figure out how to get an agent and, yeah. you know, and just things started kind of happening bit by bit. And I've just, the thing that I'm grateful for is the longevity because yeah. a lot of times people come and go really quickly. Yeah. And well, um, why do you think you've been around for so long? What's your secret? Um, I don't know. I just think Coffee that... Coffee enemas? I couldn't know. I wish mm. I could say that. Yeah. I, I, you make me want to try uh-huh. one. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I've never had one for the record. Really? No, I love coffee. I love coffee in any form. I love coffee ice cream. I love all coffee. I just, I haven't had a coffee enema. I've had enemas. I've, I go for high colonics from time to time. Maybe I should have them uh, spike my colonic with do, a little... Do a coffee one and see what the big fuss is. Yeah. And then you I'm can sure decide whether or not you like it. Yeah, I'm it sure. It seems like you're curious about it. I'm very curious about it. I'm sure I love it. I'm afraid I might get addicted like those people on My Secret Life. Did you ever see that? that uh, they talked. It the was, show about yes. like addictions to eating yes. toilet paper. And, yes. And, and weird things. I yeah. didn't see that episode, but everybody brings that episode up to me. Yeah, I I have a friend and we watched a lot of those episodes together. Did you see the coffee enema one? No. Mm. Well, you saw the toilet paper one. I've, I've seen a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, are you addicted to Do you have any strange addictions uh-huh. that... Mm. I used to smoke, uh-huh. but I quit. Yeah, um, for how long did you smoke? Once I was in the Groundlings, we all used to kind of smoke backstage, yeah. and then, uh, and then I did it a long, a lot longer after, and then uh, you know for many years, and then I I just stopped at some. What point. brand did you smoke? Uh, uh, American Spirit. Oh, American Spirit, the healthy cigarette. Yeah, yeah. You, know, <laughs> you this, always try to do the best you well, can. The socially conscious <laughs> cigarette. <laughs> But okay, but because the this is the thing, and you've been around for a long time, and you've seen people come and go, and you've seen people who friends who it just never happened right, for right. them. And really how, talented, people. very talented. Why? How do you negotiate that relationship? And what do you think their the issue really was with them? Well, each one is different. Um, I don't know. I mean, I remember. Um, you know, I remember for the longest time when we were in the Groundlings. Uh, you know, my friend Jennifer Coolidge, who I was in the Groundlings with, you know, it was hard. She w- she wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And all, none of us understood why. We all knew who she was and how mm-hmm. funny she was. And, and, and it was really honestly just, you know, somebody gave her a shot in um, uh, American Pie. Mm-hmm. And once people saw her, Everybody was like, oh, now we know what to do with her. Mm-hmm. But all those years, you know, those younger years. And I remember when I was in the Groundlings trying to help Lisa Kudrow get an agent. And 
And my agents didn't know what to do with her. Do you know who Fortune Feimster is? Uh -huh. Yeah. I have agents who I told about Fortune Feimster, and I said, you need to go see this girl. She's mm -hmm. hilarious, you know. And four agents went and said, we don't see it. We don't mm, see it. And mm. and to me, it's just obvious yeah. how talented she is. Yeah. And, and so sometimes it's not until somebody gets an opportunity or makes an opportunity for themselves when they are in a situation. And then people say, oh, I see what to do with this person. Right. Yeah. And I think that for a lot of people, they just don't have that opportunity and they don't have the ambition to figure out how to make it happen for themselves. Mm -hmm. You kind of created your whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, and I know that, I think that you asked me about my career. I think that people, you know, keep reaching out and contacting me. And I think it's got to do with maybe work that I've done in the past and these relationships I've developed. So like the Will and Grace people, I just did a Will and Grace again last uh, last week. And and I did that for a long time. And Max Muchnick and David Cohen reached out. And I just think that it's like work kind of begets work. That's right. That's right. Abundance creates abundance. And and I knew that I was finishing with I was on a show called Teachers mm -hmm. and we were finishing up and I thought, I don't want to sit around. Somebody called and asked me to do that play Vanya and Sonia mm -hmm. and Masha and Spike at South Coast Rep. And I thought, yeah, I, I don't want to sit around. I want to do something. And so I I worked and then immediately afterwards, you know, there were a lot of casting people down there in different places. Wow. And I just feel like I just feel like you have to constantly be working. Yeah. In the stream in, of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then it feeds you. It gives you confidence. You know, it, it makes you feel like you are tethered to this business and sure. this career so that when something does come up, it's not like, oh, my God, this is all that I've had for a, you know, a very long time. And, you know, I, that, I don't let that panic ever set in because I always will write my own shows or do my own thing or, you know, um, do somebody else's play sure. or show. I, I kind of say yes to just about everything. I agree. I think saying yes is probably the most important part of, of all of this because you never know where that next big idea is coming from. And I've said to friends many times, you know, uh, you know, waiting, just going to auditions is like waiting on the lottery. You have to create your own abundance. And then other people, and that abundance creates more abundance. You know? Right. So, you know, uh, it's it's a tough business. But if you are making it for yourself then you can you can manage you can really get it going and i think that what you said too about other actors who finally i was aware i was aware of jennifer coolidge about 20 years ago and i and i hadn't seen her in anything i i became aware of her through my friends at world of wonder she had done something they were doing some sort of candid camera type show and they had brought her up to me and I wasn't familiar with her, but until then, I thought, wow, she's dynamite, this this woman. Uh, and then after that, she was everywhere, you know. Yeah, but it's interesting. I do feel that sometimes somebody just needs that opportunity. Yes. And, um, and so, you know, and if it's not there, I think you need to make it yourself. You do. You absolutely do. All right, we're going to go to break. We'll be right back after this. Well, it's a brand new year. That means it's a brand new you. And one of the ways that Rue and I swear by taking care of ourselves 
is therapy. You guys have heard us talk about Talkspace so much because we believe in it so much. Talkspace is the online therapy company that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere at any time. Me, here in the UK, I need to talk to somebody. What do I do? I message a licensed therapist over at Talkspace. All you need is a computer with an internet connection or the Talkspace mobile app, and that means you can improve your mental health even if you've had trouble making time for it in the past. And let me tell you something, that's always the number one issue. Apart from money, it's time. And if you can't imagine fitting anything else into your life, Talkspace with Talkspace Therapy, it's as easy as sending your therapist a message, and this is the way you can fit it into your life. Get something off of your chest whenever you need to. You can talk about the everyday challenges at work or at home, just chat about life, no extra commutes, no leaving the office, and most certainly, no judgments. And remember, guys, therapy isn't just about venting your innermost thoughts or digging into those painful childhood memories. If you want to do that, you can, and that's covered. But it's also about practical everyday strategies strategies for me, for stress management, and for living a happier life. Having a therapist simply provides you a designated person for you to talk to who's trained to listen and help you make positive changes. I am telling you, this is the place to go. The Talkspace platform has over 2,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing life challenges that we all face. So to match with a perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com slash Rue. Use that code are you to get $45 off of your first month. And of course, we thank you for supporting our show and Talkspace. That's ruetalkspace.com slash Rue. We are back with Tim Bagley. Now, of course, I guess we can talk about AJ and the Queen. I guess, I guess, I guess we probably can't talk about specifics, but um, we are filming an episode of AJ and the Queen, which will come out on Netflix the summer of 2019, where we're at Warner Brothers doing that. But um, yeah, so that's what we're doing. You work, you seem to work all the time. What was your, so you did the mask. That was a huge breakthrough for you. And yeah. uh, what what do you think people recognize you the most from? Is it Will and Grace? Oh, we, you know, we, this is what we're talking about was that I was telling you that when I did, not Will and Grace, Grace and Frankie, Grace and Frankly. Great, yeah, that. Grace and Frankie. Yeah, that show. <clears throat> that in my scene with Jane Fonda, the whole time I'm thinking to myself, this is Jane Fonda. Yeah. I'm not thinking, oh, I'm in a care, I'm acting and this is a character. And I'm thinking, oh my God, that's yeah. Jane Fonda the yeah. whole time. Did you feel the same way? Oh, yeah, I still get completely starstruck. And, um, you know, my thing is, most of my scenes are with Martin Sheen yes. and Sam Waterston. Yeah. And Martin and Sam both very early on made me feel very comfortable and told me, you know, we had personal conversations, intimate yeah. conversations. And yeah. so I felt very connected to them. And um, but none of my scenes are with Jane and Lily. Now I've I've known Lily, so I yeah. you know, so that's fine. But it's Jane Fonda and I yeah. grew up you know, watching Clute and, yeah. and they shoot horses, don't they? And, you know, everything coming yeah. home. Um, and so I just, I was terrified uh. to ex have an exchange with her. Yeah. And and I mentioned to you, I, you know, she finally, like in the third season after a table read, followed me out to the driveway and was like, Tim, Tim. And I turned around and it's Jane Fonda. And, uh -huh. and she's saying, I just wanted to introduce myself to you. I, you know, we haven't actually formally met. And, yeah. And I said, nice to meet you and everything. And then 
I went and I got my keys out and went to my car. And I'm telling you, I couldn't get the key in the hole. Uh-huh. My hand was shaking. Uh-huh. I still get like that with yeah. with big certain people. Yeah. Certain yeah. celebrities. Not yeah. all. It's funny because, you know, Lily Tomlin is a huge star and huge. she's so uh, fundamental in, in the way I see the world and look at the world. But it's, there's, there's this, I felt com- immediately comfortable around her because I've known her for years before yeah. I did the Grace and Frankie thing. But, uh, uh, I, I I didn't feel so. It, she felt more comfortable. Jane Fonda, on the other hand, felt uh, like this otherworldly creature because we grew up. What? Yeah, I don't know, right. It's the difference. Why is it different? Well, I don't know. I think that we that it depends on who you have in your mind. There are people now that you know might look at you know Justin Timberlake and right. and be you know freaking out yeah. being around Justin Timberlake and it wouldn't really have that big of an right. effect on me but sure. but you know like uh I mentioned to you I I I worked with Sally Field on a series and she was somebody else where I remember the first scene we shot she was a Supreme Court justice and all I had to do was hand her a cup of coffee and take her files from her mm-hmm. and say to her you look more, more like um a flight attendant than a Supreme Court justice. Uh And what came out was, I said, I handed her the coffee and did everything. And I said, you look more like a um, flight attendant than a a real estate agent. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I hear cut. And I just, and she said, she looked at me and, and she said, I must have looked like a real estate agent to you at the time. And I said, no, you look like Sally Field. It's yeah. just, I got to get it yeah. out of my head. Because right. like you said with Jane Fonda, you end up looking at somebody's hair and thinking, I'm looking at you know, <laughs> Sally Field's hair up close. This is her part on her hair. And yes. I'm seeing her. Yeah. This is what her ears look like. Yeah. And, and you're not totally in the scene. Right, right. Right. Do you do you get totally in the scene? Are you are you able to lose yourself in that way? Where Sometimes. Can, yeah. Sometimes. Where, yeah. the, where your underwear are folded on your chest and you go, well, how did these get here? What did I do? I blame propofol for that. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah, I guess I do. I guess I when I do, do you sometimes on stage you do. On stage when you really know your lines so well. And when it's not like a big, huge, you know, amount of lines, Mm -hmm. you know, it's easier to have moments, you know. um, And then also there's sometimes there will be an emotional thing that will just kind of the emotion of it will take you. Mm -hmm. You did a scene the other night where it felt like you were, I I mean, I shouldn't say anything about the show, but... Um, you've taken yourself there. There are moments when I can go there. Yeah. There are moments, especially usually the last or the second to the last take when I've done the, when right. I've memorized the line so right. well that I'm, I can actually relax into it. Right. But, uh, you know, they're fleeting and, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm such a control freak. You know, and I used to smoke a lot of pot when I was a kid. I always wanted to lose control and I, I never really did. It was either, it was either, you know, I'm tipsy or I'm in a blackout with my <laughs> panties uh, not folded on my chest, wrapped around my head. And, uh, you know, I, it, but finding that middle ground is, it sounds so lovely. And uh, the other day, our director said, well, the truth is, Rue, you are a control, controlled person and you are too sane to be able to, to let yourself go to that place. You're too... I'm controlled. 
I'm controlled and I want to. And there are moments and they're fleeting, but they're fleeting. Well, I also think the more you do that, the more I have opportunities to do the kind of work that would require me to lose myself like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. The, the more I do that, the more opportunities I have, the better I get at, at doing that. Yeah. And I just think that it's, you know, um, I do think that it, there's a it's a great experience when you're doing something and then afterwards you think wow i was just kind of flowing Uh through that yeah do you know that i do i do actually the scene i just did with the kid um there were a few moments in there um where i i I could feel myself losing myself in her eyes and in the emotions of it but i would catch myself i would go oh oh wait what was that it's like when you're in water and you arch your back to float and then you realize oh my god i am floating then you catch yourself and you yeah as this process goes on I will feel more and more safe. That's to, right. To, to sit into that. That's right. You know, and also uh, because of the size of your role, um, you have an enormous amount of lines. I think that I think that sometimes when there are scenes that are written so that there's air in there for you to breathe, mm-hmm. um, and it's not just you know line right. line 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 line. Yeah. Um, I think that it's easier to. Let yourself go. Yeah. I don't know. I, I. It's a great feeling when when. Yeah, it is. It is. Are you? you st- yeah. Do you still take classes? I do sometimes. Where? Yeah. I just took a series of classes at UCB. Mm. Uh, you know their improv thing. You know a lot of people now are talking about with improv the game, mm-hmm. and so I didn't really know what that was about, and so I wanted to see what that was, and so I went and took those classes, and I've studied with. Uh, recently with Margie Haber, a cold mm. reading class, and I've studied with Howard Feinstein's study. So wow. I, I I do still study because there's always something, some area that I'm not comfortable in, and I want to get myself comfortable in that area. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, and so um, when you walk into one of these classes and the other actors are there and you go, oh my God, Tim Bagley, what are you doing here? Do they say that? Uh, they don't say that, but usually I'm the oldest person there uh, now. Yeah. And I just feel like, in a way, I feel like, well, it's good for them to understand that if you want longevity in this business, you've got to be somebody that goes back and still is always continuing to learn mm-hmm. and trying to get better because that's kind of what it is. It is. You can't just do one thing. You have to constantly be you know, trying to get better. Well, especially as someone who has, like yourself, who has studied psychology, you understand that it's a, like an actor or like understanding a role, you yourself, you have to continue to evolve your own personal character on this planet. You cannot stay in one place. You just can't. And a lot of people would like to, and a lot of people do and much to their detriment but you have to continue to study your character Mm -hmm. as a human on this planet and uh and try to up it try to advance it and try to expand what this character can and will do yeah and and to go along with that i know that i've had lots of therapy and you know i'm not in it right now but if something comes up that I feel blocked yeah. and I feel like I need help getting to the other side of that, mm-hmm. I am not too proud to, you know, go see a therapist. And and that always kind of helps shake me up and look at things. And I remember one time stopping you in the street because we both live in West Hollywood mm-hmm. 
And it was after that first season of RuPaul's Drag Race. And I I just stopped you and I said, you know, I remember saying, you had a good therapist at some point in your life. You had, or you were loved right. Mm-hmm. Like you were mm-hmm. really loved right. And um, so that you have a sense of value or you learned how to do that later with the help of a therapist. And you yes. said that you had a good therapist in New York or something. Yeah, here. Yeah, actually here, here in LA. Here? Yeah. How did you find your therapist? I was someone actually... Mary McDonough, the middle child on the Waltons, was an acting coach of mine, and she told me about my therapist. Uh, this is 20 years ago, um, and, and it was a perfect fit. And I still see uh, this woman. At what? Uh, how did you find your... Th- well, I've had a whole plethora <laughs> of therapists. A gaggle? I have had a gaggle. And at one or two times in my life, I've had an actual team of therapists. Really? Wow, that's fabulous. <laughs> yeah, like the Rhythm Nation. <laughs> no, but um, but you know, I it's always it always comes you know recommended by somebody. Yeah. And and therapy to me is kind of like dating, where you'll you'll go to somebody, and if within the first few sessions, you yeah. know if it's somebody that you're resonating with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and if they're challenging you, or, you know, or if they look at you. You know, if they one time, you know, somebody was falling asleep and I thought, no, 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 uh-uh. you're going to stay away that. from this. Yeah. For this. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm droning on, but you're going to tap up and stay away. Come on. Hello. Oh, my God. Did you have dreams of also becoming a therapist when you studied psychology? Well, I didn't know really what I was going to do. Um, I, I kind of had an idea that I would sing and dance, but I really didn't know. Um, and I knew that I needed therapy mm-hmm. and I was just drawn to it. And I also thought that it would be, you know, my mom was a the therapist. So I thought, oh. I thought, well, you know, this is something that I, I kind of understand how it works. Yeah. Yeah. In Michigan. Now you're from mm-hmm. Michigan from, what did you say? Niles, Michigan, which is close by South Bend, Indiana. Yeah. And you knew early on you had to get the hell out of there. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is back then... Um, you know, you really, if you were a gay person or struggling with that, trying mm-hmm. not to be, you know, uh, you knew that you, you couldn't, you didn't want to be doing that in Michigan. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that it had to be New York, San Francisco or, or California, you know, uh, yeah. Los Angeles. Now I asked you earlier too, we were talking about, you put yourself into gay conversion therapy, which is very odd. And, uh, but uh, in my opinion, you know, you know, you do what you have to do. But when I asked you uh, the other night, I asked you, so wh- through therapy and through self-evaluation, why did you think, what was it that propelled you to, to enroll yourself into gay conversion therapy? Well, I wanted, <clears throat> I wanted a normal life. I wanted a life, um, uh, and, and I was living in a time that where, you know, my church, you know, my, my society, you know, just pretty much everybody, the, the laws, everything mm-hmm. was designed to kind of say that what I was, yeah. what I was fighting with was a mental disorder and wrong. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking that as a responsible citizen, you know, I needed to figure out how to get through this. Right. And I was being told back then, you were told that it was a choice. Yeah. And, you know, now that seems silly, but there are still people in our country that think that it's a a choice or in the world. Yeah. And so, um, so it was just, I just was trying all these different modalities. And I think that what it really was was just the desire to be normal 
to not bring shame onto my parents and mm-hmm. my family, mm-hmm. to have God love me. And, you know, once I understood that God loved me how I am, mm-hmm. that was a big thing in helping me figure it out. And and that was the sex surrogate, this female sex surrogate who... Kathy then, Bates. Yeah, Kathy Bates or Patricia Clarkson. Or Patricia Clarkson, sure. Um, if I was casting. Uh-huh. Um, uh and so I don't know she helped you she became the vessel that uh, brought you to the other side the other way of thinking which is just it's interesting as you were talking about that I was just thinking about what happened with me as a young kid is that I immediately understood that all of this that the world, the rules, the rules were all an illusion and I thought oh I just have to get through this because all of those rules and boxes that they want to put you in are just bullshit and of course hallucinogens helped out a lot <laughs> i smoked a lot of weed and but i realized too that the weed i started smoking weed when i was 10 years old by really the, way. the weed helped me sort of bide my time until i can get the hell out of dodge or get the w- away from all the people who would want to put me in a box. Yeah, that's right. Until I found theater, darling. And, that's and, right. You know. I think that's what a lot of us did back mm-hmm. then is we we thought, I need to be around people in the big city, you know, where I can kind of be myself. Yes. And and you're not going to get it in a small town. You're somewhere. not going to get it in a small town. Although in the South, you know, uh, Southern cultures, they have, there are a, there's a place for eccentrics in Southern culture. Of course, uh, not all Southern culture, but, uh, you know, um, there is the sort of eccentric uh, personality in the Tennessee Williams right. uh, uh, sort of uh, idea of the South. But yes, get your ass. If you're listening to this and you're in a situation, get your ass to L.A., San Francisco. Or or to a therapist or to people that, I, I mean, to me, the power of having somebody that's that knows what they're talking about. Look at me in my eyes yeah. and look deeply into me and say, there's nothing wrong with That's me. That's right. That I'm normal. That was a huge thing. And all the other therapists that preceded her, they didn't say that. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. And so I think that there's power in, in just uh, healing power in somebody looking at you and saying, you're okay. Yes. Exactly how you are. This is the way you were made to yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're out there and you're contemplating all this stuff, just know from uh, three gay men. <laughs> Actually, Alex is not gay, but I like to call him gay. You're you're gayer than I am, I think. Alex is our producer. Here. He's think, high, so. I love him so much. He's <laughs> no. such adorable. He's a love. If you're listening to this, just know that you are God's child, just as you are, just as you are. There's nothing wrong with you. If you want to go through all that rigmarole of, uh, you know, the gay conversion, you know, do it. But you don't have to. Mm-mm. You're perfect as you are. Perfect. Well, Tim Bagley, the new season of Grace and Frankie starts, I believe, in February. Yeah, I think so. Starts in February on Netflix. You can see that. You can see old episodes of it on Netflix. Uh, And then, of course, the show we're doing right now will be on Netflix in uh, the summer. I think it's in July or August, something like that. So you'll catch that. Uh, I loved having you on the show. It's been really fun. It's been fun. Enjoy yourself. And uh, we'll give and sending Michelle Visage some love out there. You probably hear in the commercials, though, don't you? <laughs> I'd like to send her some love, too. I've never met her, but I love her and I really appreciate who she is. 
and 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 who she is on your show. Oh, she's oh, I just love her. Yeah, she's, she's fabulous, great. fabulous. She's All right, great. well, um, we will do that. And thank you so much for joining us. Uh, until next time, everybody. Bye. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? If you can't love yourself, how in the hell you're gonna love somebody else? Can I get an amen? And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Love yourself, how in the hell you're gonna love somebody else, amen.